Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nishonda Shines. What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome back to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. Yeah. You ever have those days where you go nonstop from the time you wake up until I'm just going to say right now for me, <laughs> it's like you go, go, go. It's about five o'clock on the East Coast and um, it's just been a full day, but it's been a full day that's been really, really good. You have those days where you wake up and you feel like you're living in purpose on purpose because you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing. That is what my day has been like. I'll give you a, a preview into it. So I'm a spin coach uh, for a local newbie program. And I got up, I taught spin this morning at 6 a.m. Then I had to go get my car fixed. But I left my wallet at home, so I had to go all the way back home. Went to work. Work is very purposeful. And now I am recording a podcast. Yeah, you'll probably get this a couple of days, a couple of weeks or whatever later. But I just wanted to share that because when you're living in your purpose and doing everything you are supposed to be doing, it will always be life-giving. And that's what today has been for me. It's been life-giving. And so I wanted to share it with you. And trying beginner's luck, honestly, is life-giving too, because whenever you are trying, I say often you always win, but it gives you something back in return and it gives you purpose. It gives you something to strive for. It gives you a goal. And so I am excited to just share that with you week in and week out. So thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share with you. Now, today's guest, she's a friend of mine. We actually work together in different departments. You know how you have departments in your real world? You have, well, I don't want to say real world because this is real world too, but it's our fun world that we get to be brought into. And so as an announcer, I work closely with the timers because we have to get information from them so that we can share it with, uh, share information throughout the day if we need announcers, if we need numbers called, if, you know, we get the list of awards at the end, who's placed. And let me tell you, whoo, if them numbers are wrong, this particular group of people get it. They get it. But let me tell you, we're about to have a conversation about timing and the importance because it is the linchpin of everything that we do in sport and ensuring that the race is not only fun, but the results are accurate. With that said, Laura Raguchi is... An amazing triathlete who's been doing triathlon since 2002. She loves the half distance but and has done plenty of them, but she's also done a few Ironman. She's done Olympics and she does sprints and she is still going. We went to school in Tallahassee together, different years, but she's a Seminole. I'm a Rattler, all love. We live in the DC area together and she is a timer with Kinetic Multisport. You guys hear me talking about Kinetic all the time because I absolutely love them. I work for them. I'm an announcer for them. And so I see what they go through. And I thought it was important to bring her on to talk about this at the beginning of the season. It's springtime. Races are just getting kicked off. And I think this warrants a conversation. And as the years go on and progress, we'll have different timers because everybody has a different purview of their job and different experiences from their lived um, experiences. So different vantage points from their lived experiences. And so we're just going to bring Laura to the stage right now. Laura, welcome to Try Beginner's Luck. How you doing? Hi, Mashonda. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be a part of your podcast and talk about timing. Well, I'm excited for you to be here. It's a, you know, it's an honor. I always say that because I'm honored to get to do this. And so it's always um, a pleasure for me to bring on guests. So that just always warms my heart that people say yes. 
Oh, anytime. Well, I've been asking for a while too, but I'm glad that you saw that it is important that racers have a perspective from the timer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look at you telling on yourself. You have asked for a while and I kept saying we are going to get to timers, but I have like, and, and again, I honor my word. If people say they want to come on the show, you're going to come on the show. It's just about timing and making sure that the timing is right. And I feel like at the beginning of the season, it's the right time to talk about timing. <laughs> this is all just these, what it is. I it? agree with you. No it, pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended, right? <laughs> Absolutely. The timing is right now for us to talk about timing because it's the beginning of the season and people need to understand yes. how everything from the registration process affects their race and the outcome. That and is so, very true. Before people get too engulfed in racing and so knee deep in results, <laughs> I wanted to bring you to the podcast. So let's just get right into it because we can talk about you and your course of action a little bit afterwards. But timing, that's such a specific. Timing is such a specific niche. How did you learn about timing and how did you get into it? Sure. Um, I actually got into timing back in 2016 with Kinetic, but they we were Kinetic back then, um, because my high school friend and basketball teammate named JJ was a timer for Greg. And she knew that I was injured that year. I was I had niece, my first knee surgery, and she asked me if I would be interested in timing because she they were looking for some people. And I was like, sure. Why not? Right. Because I was struggling with uh, my knees anyways. So after surgery that year, I went and worked my first race. But I was like, you know, back up um, and saw what they did. And, um, you know, when she asked me, the very first thing she says is, are you good under pressure? That was literally her first question. And I was like, well, of course I am, you know, all confident. Um, but anyway, but that's how, that's how I got into it. So um, I, yeah, I did like only two races in 2016 and then starting in 17, I pretty much worked uh, a bulk of the races for Greg since. Yeah. I know whenever I'm working, you're there and it's always a pleasure because listen, if anybody can give you attitude and then come back and be like, you know, that wasn't personal. You'd be like, cause you know me, I'd be like, who are you talking to? But Laura, she's like, not now, Mashonda. Like if I, I'm coming. Like I need the race computer. Mashonda, not right now. Listen, I'm just trying to do my job. But I can't get the things because athletes have either come late or um, something has happened with their registration. They put something wrong. So let's get right into it. What? Yes. What are some of the things that, can be done to minimize challenges with timing race day? Well, it actually starts from your registration. Making sure you've registered in the right category, making sure, and, and even there's a button, especially in run sign up, like um, just ensure that your registration form in run sign up for that race is correct. You're in the right race. You are in the right category, you know, and then we at least have that part done. So when you come and see my smiling face, because you will check in with us at registration, which is actually my favorite thing to do. I actually like greeting all of the racers because I think it's fun. Um, but make sure you have your ID because we will send you back with, with you don't have it. And if you don't do your registration form correctly, when you come to me to check in, then that you're, that creates problems if I'm trying to fix it on site for you. The other thing to minimize is do not come one minute before packet pickup is ending. That is just stressful on everybody. And here's the reason why. The 20 minutes before the race starts is the most stressful time for the timer because I have to connect the race. We have all these boxes out there. I have software I have to update. And the last thing I need to do is import participants 
once you've checked in. If I keep having people coming, then I have to keep re-importing and then I can't do my other tasks like the announcer computer. So that that does cause, you know, some angst, but um, I'm trying to get to the finish line to get set up and I have racers trolling behind me still needing to register, you know, get their packet and their chip. So, so that would, those are definitely the first, very first things you can do to minimize stress on yourself and us. Okay. So, and just to reemphasize, if you're coming five minutes before packet pickup ends day of race, correct. Then that means perhaps the race may not start on time. And that's a challenge. And luckily there are some companies because this is just one company, but there are companies who want to make sure they go the extra mile, like kinetic multi-sport to make sure that you are registered and you don't want people to be, to turn, they don't want people, they don't want to turn people away because they're a family, you know, they, they appreciate, they understand that things happen. But we also got to take responsibility of when we wake up and timing, right? And making sure that you leave enough time to get to the race site so that you're not the cause of a domino effect of things going haywire. And and you are correct that when people show up and they are running in last minute, you know, some, some things just happen, right? Some people get into a, an accident, they broke down, Um we do obviously live in the DC area. We have a lot of traffic. And again, we're talking race morning. Um, and we will go out of our way. So even if you're like 15 minutes before the race starts, I will make sure you get your stuff. You know, and yes, it's an inconvenience, but we want you to race and we want you to have a good experience with us. But when I was racing, I was not a last minute kind of a person because I didn't like this, all the stress it's the race itself is already stressful Absolutely. like let's let's not add on to it the other thing about coming that late too you don't know the parking situation you know Thanks. the parking you may have to to walk a little to get to registration to get your packet pickup and I can tell you multiple times at one of our venues they come because they're stressed because they're late. They come running up and guess what they come up with without their driver's license or their picture ID. And then I got to send them all the way back to their car. So my advice is always to plan extra time and just try to get there a little earlier. That's a good thing. That's good stuff. Everybody is checked in race day. Everybody's checked in the day before. What is your responsibility after everyone is checked in and sure. you've uploaded the reports and the race is ready to happen? Okay. So once everyone checks in, the first thing that I do, well, and I kind of start it while I'm at packet pickup, we have two software systems that we use. We use timing and scoring and we use race director. Race director is the timing system that we're using right now, timing software. There's multiple different timing softwares, but we're just, we're using race director. So once I get everybody their chips, right? I sit down and now I'm working on the nerdy stuff, which is the software and making sure my timing box locations are all connected and that they're connected to race director so that when people go over the, you know, the transitionary and you go over the boxes with your chip, that your time is going to read into race director. And then, and then I have to, uh, imp so the other thing is you have to have your chip assign, you know, your chip assignments. So I have to like, imp I have import a chip file into race director. And so everybody's chips are assigned. And, you know, I'm just getting the system all set up. And then after that, I'm doing, um, getting the announcers, their computers, which also uses race. So you're also using race director for the software for your computers. And now that we have it, as you know, at the finish line where we now have a timing location, a timing box 
so that when you run over that, you autumn, instead of having to relay bib numbers, the numbers pop up. So that's a extra steps that we have to do to get that connected for you. And that's, that's like the main thing, but that 20 minutes before is just fast and furious because also, you know, all those timing locations are around transition area, right? Well, people are walking all over them before race starts. And so I'm constantly clearing the box so that I don't have all these reads in there before. A read is when a chip goes over a timing location. Um, so that's so that's what we're working on between finishing registration, packet pickup to race start. Okay. I want to go back a bit. Sure. The timing chip. That infamous timing chip has so much value, yet sometimes treated like a casualty or something. Can you speak to the importance of the timing chip and why it's important for them not to lose it? Yes. Um, the timing chip is important for multiple reasons. That is where all of your data is tied to for the race. And it is tied to your uh, your tied to you, your name, your registration. So when you lose a timing chip and you're running to me before the race starts, oh, I lost my timing chip. And most of the time it's usually in transition. They were doing something with their wetsuits and it gets stuck, you know, it happens. Um, but then I have to go into the actual chip file. I have to assign you a new chip number and a new code and I have to re-download. So that's all stuff that I have to keep on top of. Otherwise, your chip is going to go across the line and it's going to say unknown participant. Then that tells me I did not set your chip up correctly. And we will charge you if you, if you lose your chip because they're kind of expensive. That part. Because <laughs> people need to know, like, they are expensive. But user not set up. We see that so often. And now we know the reason why. Now, why would you say people sometimes come up to us and say, well, we can't find our athlete. Can you speak to that in terms of the timing data connecting to the external software or apps that user families may be uh, using to on. tracking. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So ours, our chips are not GPS, right? They're, you can't go to our tracking and uh, which you, you can track a participant on the run sign up website for our race. You just go all the way down to the bottom and you, you hit, um, I think athlete tracking, I think is the, the name. Um, when your person racing goes over a timing location, so come, you know, comes out of the swim, goes out on the bike, comes back, we're importing that data because remember we're using two different systems. I use timing and scoring that collects the chip reads and then pushes into race director. And then I have to manually upload to the website and when I click that upload button to the website which shows the results as people are racing, that will send a text message to the family members if they chose to track a participant. Mm -hmm. So it's so it's it is manual. Like every five minutes I'm hitting the button, you know, depending on when people are coming across the timing locations. Okay. And again, every every race director has a system that they prefer and they like based off of multiple factors, budget, size of events. And they keep that relative because you gotta, it gotta make sense. And if it doesn't make sense or dollars, then it doesn't get factored in. And so just be cognizant of that if you're racing and know that just because they can track you, it doesn't mean it's always going to be a point every point to point type of tracking. And it may be just a tracking of when you're finishing each discipline. That is correct. And the other thing is um, sometimes 
there's a button clicked that says don't send the uh, notifications that we un that sometimes we forget to unclick. So we usually are tracking somebody racing so that we know if it's like not working and then we correct ourselves. So, so, so sometimes that happens. Here is the, the system isn't perfect because you have people operating it. And oh, yeah. so giving grace to that, but I, I've seen people and if anyone gets fussed at is a better word, it's timers. Oh, yes. And it is so disappointing to see the level of sometimes vitriol that you guys get if you make a mistake as if it cannot happen. How do you remain calm in situations where you've done everything you can do and you have an athlete who's come to the to your your timing tent frustrated because their time isn't right? Uh, well, one, we are in a customer service business, so I try really hard to keep a, my, a, my head cool. And because I know that they're upset and there's a reason for it. They think that they're right about something and, and they could be. And everything is fixable. That's what I also tell them. Okay, let's, what's the, what's the issue? You know, what, you know, let's talk about the problem. Now, some things I cannot fix, which those would be related to penalties that are given by USAT officials. Say what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I do try very hard to, uh, to just calm the person down. What gets difficult is if I'm fixing a complex timing problem because people went over the wrong mats, at, right? That'll, that'll cause my stuff to be all messed up. And then I have to manually fix that to get the times to work out correctly. So if I'm in the middle of trying to, to fix a complex problem, and then you know we sit in a tent, and people just push their heads in. So if I have three people pushing their heads in while I'm trying to solve a complex problem, I might be a little short and say, give me a moment. But I try really hard. I'm glad you're nice to the athletes. Well, then I'm very, I'm not as nice to my coworkers. <laughs> but they, under, they understand, hey, Greg, Greg gets it too, trust me. Okay. He knows. He knows when he walks over and if he sees the look on my face, he goes, maybe this isn't a good time. And he's the head honcho. So I should, I definitely feel much better now. So, okay. 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 Um, wrong mats. That happens so often. What is something that you can share that can prevent people from walking across the wrong mats so that they don't have timing issues and get upset because their timing is wrong? It's, it's, it's honestly just getting to the race site early enough and mapping out where the run in, run out, swim in. You know, it's, it's not usually the swim. It's typically going out on the bike or in from the bike and they're running out the wrong direction of the transition area. It's just paying attention to Am I running out underneath the sign that says run out? <laughs> mm. Because we place the, the boxes in the right places. But if you're in the moment of racing and just a maybe a little frazzled and you run out the wrong way, then um, then it causes problems. So you just got to really pay attention. And And again, it's no problem to fix it, but it does take just a little time, you know, that I have to sit there and kind of work through it. Like, like I say, everything is fixable. Everything is fixable. That's good to know. That is good to know. What were you going to say? Well, unless I just miss all of the start reads that that's, then that's not really fixable. Then I'm just asking people, do you know about when you went in the water? So has but, that happened before? Yes. Yeah. So, so, so I should tell you, um, and I think, you know, right, we started with our new timing boxes last year, we got we got updated equipment, these new boxes, right, and they're much smaller, they're, they're so cute, they're like mini little suitcases, and they work so well. 
our previous software and our previous timing boxes were kind of getting a little on the older side. And so there were a lot of misreads and that would just cause a lot of issues mm-hmm. where, I, you know, where people, even though they can see the results, but they don't have like a T2 time or they don't have a bike time because their chip didn't read. I would spend a lot of time if people had their Garmin data, I would manually plug that in. But our new sis, our new boxes are so good that we're hardly missing reads now, which is awesome. I was just, I had that on my, I was, as I was, as I think of questions or people are talking, I think of questions. And that was my question that I just typed, you know, the misreads, how does that happen? But that's good to know that this software is really good. And you see the benefits and how it's saving time for you as well as for athletes. That's, I, I like that. I love the fact, you know, as humans, we can only do what we can do. And we love that when technology works great, it works and saves us time. It's more efficient. We all love it. And then athletes are happy. Let's talk about awards and timing. Oh. Oh. Awards. Yeah. awards. <laughs> Such there. a great gesture. Here's the award ceremony you have. And then, ooh, let's just talk about it. I want you to just share what you want to share about awards and, and timing and how that plays a part. So awards are also stressful. Um, and I would say in the longer distances, right? Not so much a sprint because I can, because one of the things you also don't realize I'm doing So there's normally two of us timing, right? Someone doing the main timing and then the second person, we're we're doing peripheral things for the timer, like running things to the announcers. But the person is looking at the results online, real time to look for anomalies. So we'll look at the bike pacing. Does that person really go 30 miles an hour? I doubt it. Um, Or right? The run pacing and we will DQ people, right? That don't look legit. And if we don't catch those before awards and then we print awards and you guys are up there reading them and Greg's shaking hands and handing out. And then you realize that person didn't complete the full bike course. So they shouldn't have gotten that first place. And you would think people will tell you for the most part, they will say, hey, I, uh, I I missed a loop on the run or I turned back early on the bike. Most people will tell you, but some will not. Hmm. I was just about to make a really bad joke reference to some news that came out really recently about uh, the doping thing, but I'll just leave it at that. Okay, keep it moving. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I understand. Bad so, joke. Yeah, So so with the awards, right, so... And then the other thing, which we had to always wait on the penalties as well, because even though they're like, it was a two minute penalty or, you know, if it's a half, they're four minute penalties that, that has definitely changed the placing. And trust me, I can't tell you how many times I've had people come to me. Well, I was first place five minutes ago and now I'm in third place. They do it like that with their head shaking. Well, that's probably just me. I mean, oh, okay. <laughs> I do have an attitude sometimes. <laughs> I just wanted to know if that's how they come up to you. I was in first place. <laughs> They're usually a little nicer, I think. But yeah, so 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 they um, but so then they notice it, but the report right didn't show their like they couldn't see that they got a penalty. So then I'd have to break the news. Well, you got a penalty, so now you've been bumped down, and um, so. So it's trying to balance those things, right? And then print the awards where, you know, because Greg is sitting in my tent, like tapping his fingers for them. And I'm like, I'm printing. And and then God, gosh darn it, if the printer wouldn't want to print for you at that time. I'm like, I'm going to be defeated by the printer. I tell you, and it knows when you're stressed out. But so those are, that's how we, you know, and we have the different categories, you know, like I print my age groups and then I print my special categories and my relays. And, um, you know, if we have like uh, double weekends, you know, when people do like a race on Saturday and a race on Sunday, we do the double reports. And mm-hmm. um, I, I actually, I like 
doing the awards, but trust me, I'm stressed when I'm handing them over because I'm like, oh gosh, what if something isn't right? And you know what? Sometimes it isn't. And that's okay. DQ for those of you is disqualification. I uh, just wanted to point that out. And how do you know if they didn't complete the bike course? Because you just stated that you guys don't have GPS timing chips. So how do you know when people are trying to scapegoat the system? Well, we do track the pace, right? So if I, we use fast people as like a standard, like Dave Stubbs is fast, you know? What? Yeah, he is. <laughs> if Dave is riding that course and he's riding 25 miles an hour and somebody else is, says 33, there's no way that, so, so you have to use some of those logical factors. But if it's a half, right, and and let's say it's like a maybe a slower runner or a slower biker, it would be really hard um, for me to to tell, you know, if they had not completed because their time may still look uh, normal. But if it's super fast and they're winning a category, I can usually tell. Yeah. And, and the good thing is they're always pacers. So there is a pace car and a person that's always trailing the one that's last. So if you think you're trying to cheat the system, you can't because there's always fail proof methods in place so that you can't do that. Yeah. I will tell you the other thing that we do. Um, I had a, one particular person um, who just was a darn fast gentleman. I mean, and, and you know, Athlinks is this place where there are race results. I will search people on Athlinks to see what their like previous times were in other races, or if they had raced with us, then I would look at some previous races to see if these, if their, um, if their runtime looked legit. And, you know, most of the times it is, it's just, you know, they're just really fast, but I, mm -hmm. we do, I don't, I don't DQ um, just willy-nilly, right? There is a thought process. I do try to do some research. And if I'm unsure, that is when I will go to you at the announcer table and I will ask you to call a specific race number to come see me. And then I will ask them. I try to be fair. Of course. And I mean, again, like you said, you're in a customer service. We all are in a customer service uh, we all want to focus on customer service. And so that is our top priority is making sure that people have a great experience and they have the information that they need so that their experience is, is pleasurable. And, you know, that's our job. So I totally get that. Now penalties. Yes. Let's talk about that because that is a major, sometimes place breaker in terms of where you place and not knowing how often do you see penalties come across and what range can it affect uh, depending on a person, especially if they're in the top and where do you see penalties mostly? That's a lot. There's a lot of questions, but That's I know okay. you got I, it. I got them. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the penalties, um, they're mostly on the bike um, for drafting, 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 drafting. And it's the fast people. A lot of fast people um, that are getting those drafting penalties and they do switch. It does make the places switch on occasion because these guys are so fast. They are within like two to three minutes of each other. Mm. I mean, sometimes like 30 seconds. So if you get a penalty that will switch your placement. Now, um, I will tell you the change for this year. I don't know if you've heard yet, but they are not. So, you know, I would wait for the USAT official to bring me a re the re penalty report. Mm -hmm. Well, now, now they're not doing that anymore. Now they're going to assess penalties on the course on the course. And I think that's great because then it takes away, you know, that the extra bit that we have to wait for, it takes away another manual thing that could make a mistake. Because I, when I get a penalty, I have to go to your record. If let's say it's on the bike mm -hmm. in our software, I'll go to your result 
on the bike, click on it, and I DQ you from that bike location. Well, that's so it takes away a potential manual error of me not putting it on the correct bib number. <laughs> so I am happy that they're now on the course. But also because of that, because I was talking to one of the USAT officials, you know, they weren't normally on the run course. So people who had headphones or getting help, but right, they got away with those things. And I think you'll start to see more penalties on the run this year since they don't have to come and try to get us anything for awards, they can spend more time going from the bike court to the run course. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that because I think that's quite interesting. We already know that the rules are no headphones. And Mark Turner was on earlier, so we did know that penalties will be assessed uh, on site, which is really good. Um, And it's good to hear that and to reaffirm what will be happening. Yes. But the run, I think that's interesting because people do sometimes. I've been in races where people get outside help have headphones on and you know it's easy when you have those little bone condensers or whatever they are and so um yeah I think that's good do you want to talk more about that or have you seen any race penalties thus far I know the season is just opening but have you seen any race penalties yet uh no I I haven't no I haven't seen any uh penalties this season yet and I know that there were some um, but I haven't seen them. So I haven't seen them be, you know, I don't know, stuck in a penalty box for two minutes. Well, that's good. So just for those of you who are, have races coming up, that's something very new that will be on the course. And so we don't want you to be frustrated when you realize they say, come here, bib number three, four, five, six, you have a two minute penalty. And you're like, what? What? And they're like, well, we saw you getting water from your family member back there. Uh, we're just going to put you out the side because you don't, you cannot get outside assistance. Or bib number 2213, you have a two-minute penalty because you have on headphones. Then what do they do with those headphones if they don't have any place to put them? I'm not really sure. I imagine they could stuff them in. Like, oh, if I'm, I figured their race suit would have a pocket. I'm not, I'm not sure that, I mean, there's probably just some earbuds you could stick somewhere and then just finish your race. It's so funny about the penalties. Um, and I, I'm a, I wouldn't say I'm a sore loser, but you know, I've grew up playing competitive sports and I got a darn drafting penalty in Ironman Florida one year. So I got stuck having to sit for four minutes in the tent and I was so mad because I am literally in the back half. I am not winning this race. I'm not even going to come anywhere near my age group. And you're going to give me a drafting penalty. I was so mad, but I mean, I, no lie. I was definitely drafting. I was tired. (laughs) (laughs) I was tired and I was definitely drafting, (laughs) but uh, I'm at, I am at least glad you know, because people would be very upset. Like if they were in first place, you know, and they got a penalty and dropped, I have, there have been some very angry racers at us in the, in the penalty tent. Oh my gosh. In the timing tent um, about those. But for those particular things, I would have to send them to the USAT official. And there are times I've had to call Greg over as well to help smooth the situation because I can't change or I couldn't change the penalty report. You had to plead your case to the official, not, you know, not to me. That's another angle. I need to, when I have another official on about pleading the case, because I didn't even know that you can, it's like going to court at the triathlon. I didn't know that you could do that. Um, yes. I mean, you can, you may not win. I've, only seen it happen once because when the official assesses the penalty they also write down like what you're wearing like they 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 write down something about you know your bike or the color of your jersey or so 
So when people were complaining, this I'm, this one was a very heated conversation. You know, she had her, the official had her notes with, you know, this penalty was given to person with this kit on or this. So, so they, so they don't tend to overturn, but I have once seen it happen where the official wasn't entirely sure. And so, you know, she took it off, but I don't think that one affected any placement. Interesting. So you grew up around sports. You are an athlete. What sport did you play growing up and how did you make the transition into wanting to try? Oh, sure. I grew up um, a soccer and a basketball player, um, which I love. I started both in, I started soccer in second grade and basketball in third grade, I think. Okay. And I played through high school, but I, in high school, I played most just basketball. I, I My freshman year of high school, I played a little bit of both soccer and basketball, but in Florida, it's the same season. So, and basketball really was my first love. Hmm. So I, I played basketball through high school. Were you three, four, or five? I was one and two. What? Yep. Well, okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, Shooter. there were. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shooter. Okay. okay. Oh, definitely. Because you, you're tall. So, I mean, I was mid on my team. Like we had tall girls on our team. My senior year, we weren't overly tall, but, but I was normally one of the better dribblers and shooters, but you know, I have great, I had great teammates and we went to state, you know, in high school, my sophomore year, we lost in the final game, but I was proud of that. And then I played travel teams growing up. And then when, when I was at, when I was at Florida state, I just played on intramural teams. Okay. Yeah. So I got into try. So I went into the Air Force. So I'm a prior Air Force officer. And while I was in the Air Force, I was living in Panama City Beach. And I had just started to try to run longer distances. Look, 5k was like, all I was doing, right? So I was just starting to run like a little bit further than that to try to stay in shape, you know, for the military. And I was looking for something to quell the competitive side of me because I always grew up being competitive. And my neighbor there had done the Gulf Coast try, which is a half, Mm -hmm. right? And he's a Navy, he was a Navy guy. And he told me the distances. And I was like, you did what? There is no way I could ever do that. I thought, gosh, that's crazy. (laughs) And then a couple of months later, I'm stationed at Eglin Air Force Base, and they had a little try called My First Try. It was a 200-meter swim, and you could walk the whole thing if you really wanted to, Uh, an eight-mile bike, and a two-mile run. And I said, now that I can try. So I did. And as you know, and I'm sure everybody else who tells their triathlon story, it only takes the one and then you're bit by the bug. Why? That's a super sprint. Yeah, because I didn't. Mm -hmm, I'm sorry. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's why it's called my first try. Right. So the distances are short enough that everybody, you know, if if you're not very proficient, right you could still get through it. And I knew how to swim, but I was not a swimmer, right? And so I didn't want to have a long swim. And back then around the area, most of the sprints were like either, I think they were like 800 meter swims. So I, after that, my first try, I started to really put in time in the pool. But I do have a funny story about that. Okay. So, so Eglin Air Force Base has an awesome pool and some of the high school, the high school kids would swim there. And, um, I was swimming off to the side while the, these like kids are freaking lapping me like crazy. Mm-hmm. And then I look, and then, um, the coach, right. He would every now and again, kind of come over and give me like little tips. And I was like, Oh, thanks. So now I finished my swim and I'm changing and one of the staff sergeants that works for me 
was in there. She's like, she, she I, I had another last name back there. She was like, Captain, that was you at the end of the pool? I was like, yeah. She goes, I thought you were just some kid splashing around down there. <laughs> so you weren't even. <laughs> she said, I'm just. just snort. <laughs> Sorry. I do. And I laugh. Yeah, that's. That was hilarious. I'll never forget that. And so the, her and I started racing together. <laughs> wow. That's kind of cool. You found a race buddy. And, um, but so you did your, where is Edmonton? Is it? Egg, Eglin. 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 It's in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. So oh, this is another, my first try. This is a, my first try in the Midwest. So I got the wrong one, but it's still cute that there's these races all around the country for people who want to do a super sprint. I, that's so cool. I think I'm going to do a super sprint this year for the first time. Cause I've never, this would be my first time. I get to be a first timer again. I've never done a super sprint and I've never done a pool swim. I've never done a race. pool swim either. So I'm like, I want to experience a pool swim race just once. Okay, well, I'll let you do that. Yeah. I just... don't want to be in a pool. I feel like it's a washing machine. I mean, we have Smith field and people do like to come to that one because it is a pool swim and you know you know timing wise it's great because you just go straight over the mat everybody in the pool and everybody out mm -hmm. but i i would prefer to just be in the open water and kind of be left to my own devices out there <laughs> you know the funny thing is the swimming was my barrier to entry and then now and and more than a couple years in was my favorite discipline. Like I truly love the swim. Wow. I am not fast, but I just love it. I like being in the water in the morning. It's refreshing. I feel like, Ooh, I'm getting warmed up. You know, I just, I love the swim. So I do understand when people have swim anxiety. And that's the other thing about when, just to take it back to timing a little bit, the people who come to race registration, the people who are most nervous are the, the people who are afraid of the swim. Mm. So I like to, to talk to them. You know, I'm always like, how are you? You know, you know, try to get them pepped up. And then, you know, also at registration and a good thing to mention is that if you are a nervous swimmer, we can, we'll give you a red cap, a red swim cap at registration. Did you know that? I did. Oh, okay. And we but give you a this is good for this is good. Yeah. We have to tell people I knew, but this is good for people to know. Yeah. Um. So if and we have a little sign, right, that says if you're a nervous swimmer, you can take a red cap. And all that means is, right, we tell our lifeguards, hey, just pay a little extra attention to the guys and, you know, or gals in the red caps. So that way you have some extra eyes on it. And so those people that are checking in with us who are like you could see the fear on their face, at least have a little bit extra comfort knowing you will be watched. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So tell us about your, we, we found out about your first swim. Mm -hmm. Your, your, your friend thought you were just splashing in the water. Oh my gosh. How embarrassing. Yeah. So tell us about the bike and the run because you started running. So tell us about that and that transition. Um, yes. And mind you, when I was running for basketball and soccer, first of all, soccer, I was a goalie. So I was not the person running and basketball, we did sprints. So I wasn't even a traditional runner, but for the air force, I had to be because, you know, I had to be in shape. So with, with the running, um, you know, that wasn't an issue, but I hadn't ridden a bike in years. I didn't even own a bike, but my uh, ex-husband and I um, got mountain bikes so that my very first one I did on my mountain bike. And, you know, because I liked it, we're like, well, let's go buy me a road bike. But we're also, you know, not, you know, living large. So we just buy the entry level Trek road bike. Um, and that's what I did my first half Ironman on. So that was the deal with my ex-husband. It was like, okay, I'm going to ride this bike and do a half. And if I like the half, we would invest in a tri-bike for me. And I ended up really liking the bike. And, you know, back in the day, I was decently 
good on the bike. The bike would have been my stronger uh, discipline of the three. Like I was the fast, faster on the bike than I was in the run and the swim. So that's kind of how that went. <laughs> but you should have seen me. So the very first half that I did was Claremont. Do you know in Florida? Yeah. Yeah, it's hilly. On a, on I was training in the panhandle of Florida. There's no hills no there. Hills. <laughs> so even for kinetic races, which ones do you think I'm signing up for? The ones with, the ones no, with hills. no hills. <laughs> like uh what which race is that? Um Rock it's Hall. A, Rock Hall is a false flat. It's, it's a little bit of a false flat, but it's not hilly. No, yeah, it's yeah. not that. And Jamestown or Patriots, you know, they, they yeah. those are mostly fast. Are, so yeah. so you'll probably see me at Jamestown this year. I'm just gonna aqua bike it. My left knee is killing me these these days. Okay, okay. So you're still racing it, you're still racing your so you race and you time and how has that changed your perspective on sport? Um doing the timing, it's definitely the perspective is that I'm just more aware of the surroundings or when I'm out on a race site or race course, like where the timing mats are, making sure I go over them. If, you know, cause if there's a turnaround point, right, we have races with turnaround points and we put a box out there. You got to make sure you hit that turnaround box so that we can verify that you, you know, did the distance that, that you were needing to that. And I just like to, I just do it more for fun. And I like, because I've been racing for so long and, you know, I've kind of feel like, I mean, I've already achieved like the goals I wanted to achieve. I like to talk to the other people around me. Mm. So even when I was racing Ironman, I would be the person smiling on the bike saying hello to everybody whizzing by me. <laughs> I love it. That's me. Hey, how you doing? Let's go. Uh, you're 21 years in the game. Mm -hmm. That's technically you're an adult. What would you tell your beginner self? I would tell my beginner self to have some sort of balance. And the reason I say, you know, it's funny, my coach. So I, I've had the same coach since 2003. Wow. And he is a, he, he, what well, he used to be a Canadian pro back in the day. And he told me all the way back then that triathletes tend to uh, end up so much into the sport that they forget that you have a life balance that you, you know, right? Friends, family, your work. And I was also getting my master's degree. I'm an officer in the Air Force. I was getting my master's degree and I was training, you know, 18 hours a week. I look back and I'm like, when did I have any fun? You know, when did, I mean, I, obviously I did do things, but trust me, I mean, you know, your Friday night is a little bit different. Oh, I can't, I can't be out till two. I got to get up at six to go do my, you know, three hour ride in the morning, you know? So I, my advice would just be to not take everything so seriously and to just enjoy it and find balance. That's solid advice. There we go. Laura, <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on the show, telling us a little bit about timing, a little bit about your experience. We didn't get all into your experience because we talked a lot about timing, but it's a good first step, right? It's a good first, you know, opportunity for us to like do a little bit of both. But you know, I can't have you leave here without asking you some rapid fire questions. Are you oh, ready? Okay. I love, oh yes, I'm excited. So I'm going to ask you this. Well, I'm going to ask you this. I'm not going to ask it first. I'm going to ask it in the middle. So I'm going to come back to that. What is your most significant athletic accomplishment? My most significant athletic accomplishment. That was definitely my PR at Ironman Arizona. I really, I, I ran a 1349 and I was so darn happy about that. I mean, I never thought I would get under 14 and I, I did. And I was super pleased. I love it. 
That's a darn accomplishment. What or who inspires you? Who inspires me? I don't, I don't know that I'm, uh, I don't, I can't really think of anyone that inspires me, but I, I, I will tell you, I get my energy and desire uh, to race or to accomplish things from my family. I love my family and I want them to always be proud of me. So that is always my motivation, which is my family. Oh, I love that. At the end of a race, is it beer, wine, water, soda, sports drink, chocolate milk? Right at the race site, it's water. When I'm home, definitely wine. Hey. <laughs> Red or white? Both. I am an equal opportunist. I love that. I love that. This is a Tallahassee question. Was Momo's there when you were in school? I don't, I don't know what Momo's is. Okay. So I had Colleen Quigley on and I asked this question and she was like, she didn't know. Okay. Guthrie's? Yes. The gut box. The gut box. <laughs> That's what we called it. The gut box because you were going through when you were leaving the bar. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> okay. But she was like, I didn't know she would, she didn't like, she hadn't had Guthrie's, but she had went to, um, uh, she would do McDonald's and she was an athlete. So, you know, she was very disciplined, but they had Momo's there and she was like pieces as big as your head. And I was like, mm, I don't think that was there when we were there. No. I just had to ask you that question. I was like, I was going to say a gut box. You know, did you do a jet? You know, but I'm glad you did a gut box. That makes me feel good inside. <laughs> Clearly yes. we're, we're a little wiser. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's yeah. telling our age of, about Guthrie's. Well, that is true. Because if you probably bring that up, they don't know what it is now. But if we didn't do Guthrie's, well, Guthrie's then is was, still there. Oh, is it? And the line so, is still long. Well, because it's the right thing to do. And the it. other, the other place we I would hit up Taco Bell. Like who doesn't hit up Taco Bell in the middle of the night? I know. I couldn't do it nowadays, but that is what we did in college. I was actually just there in November. I hadn't been to Tallahassee in years. I couldn't believe like how awesome the school looks. I'm like, you kids don't even know what it was like, right? These kids. <laughs> like even my campus, I'm like amphitheater, Will Packer, like all this great stuff. Taco Bell stopped eating Taco Bell in college. And you know, that was like the, the most economical way to eat. And I was just like, I could not do it. There were so many reports that were coming out about Anyway, I just couldn't do it. I stopped eating Taco Bell. I was like, there's. I understand. I, I couldn't do it. But I don't God, anymore. I can't believe we're sitting here for talking about Taco Bell. This is not. Okay, it's fine. I love it. Uh, transition minimal. Well, I'm not asking that question, but I will. Transition minimalist, Goldilocks, or kitchen sink? Definitely a minimalist. After I asked that question, I was like, wait a minute, Mashonda, you. She does not have anything extra ever. Anything is always the right amount. Like it's always minimal. So anyway, that was my. And I would tell people, you don't have to bring all that stuff into transition. You know, just sip tea on that one <laughs> because I know you're one of those. <laughs> you 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 would have a coffee break if you could. What? <laughs> Let me get something to drink. I need to put on my lipstick. <laughs> But, but no, I, I was definitely a, a minimalist for sure. Okay. That's good. All right. Here's the infamous question. Do you pee on the bike or get off and take a proper pee break? So I get off. And the reason is because I, I can't, I've tried, I've tried. I honestly, I'm honest to God. I'm not even lying because I was having the best bike time in Ironman, Florida. My first time doing Ironman, Florida. And I was like, just go, just go. Because I was riding so good. I didn't want to get off my bike, mm -hmm. but I couldn't. And every time I turned around and then I'd feel bad. I'm like, well, somebody's back there and get splashed. So now I, I, I get off and go into the porta potty. Do the right Stretch thing. my legs. I do the right thing. But again, like I said, it's not because I didn't want to go on the bike because I, my, my body physically would not accomplish that. 
And at least you try. And whenever you try beginners, like you still won. You got to go to the bathroom and you still will win when you try. So that is it for us. I'm Mashonda and we are out. Peace. That was fun. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.